3, 2, 1, roll the footage. Welcome back everybody, I'm Simon Severino, your host. What if you could hang out with sprinters and ask them about their problems, their workflows, and the solutions they found? Today we explore with the CEO of Dew Wealth Management how you can get crystal clear on who you serve, what problem you are solving, and what makes you stand out. Welcome everybody, Jim Dew. Thank you, Simon. It's a pleasure to be here. Excited to spend some time. Cool to be with you in Arizona. And uh, what are you currently creating? We're creating virtual family offices for entrepreneurs. That's kind of our, our thing that we do all the time. And then recently we created an online course to help some of the folks that may not be able to qualify to work with us. What is a virtual family office? Well, it's the structure that we modeled off, off of billionaires. My wife and I started this company 22 years ago, and I've been advising entrepreneurs for 26 years in my career. And many years ago, we figured out that we're entrepreneurs and wanted to work with entrepreneurs and then looked for what's the best model that we could use to serve entrepreneurs in wealth planning. And what billionaires do is they will hire the needed tax, legal, insurance, and investment professionals, all the attorneys and accountants as full-time employees working for that one billionaire and his or her family. The problem is it's very expensive to set those up. Typically you need uh, three or $400 million of assets before you can afford to do it, but they're well worth it. That's why Oprah has one and Bill Gates has one. So we took that model and found a way to make a similar structure with similar results that would create that type of structure for entrepreneurs at a fraction of the cost. So typically entrepreneurs that are taking home a million dollars or more between salary and EBITDA, which is profit, uh, would be a candidate to do something with us. So that was kind of the model we created and that's what we do on a daily basis. Cool, so you, you pull together, how do you make it profitable for you? you? You pull the experts and you have 20, 40, 50 people you work for? So we have a network of experts all across the country. We have clients in 32 states, I think right now in America. And what we do is we start with the entrepreneur's current team. So a lot of entrepreneurs don't know, but they already have a family office structure. The problem is they don't have necessarily all A players. Their professionals are not talking to each other and they are managing the team themselves when they don't speak the languages of tax, legal insurance and investment. And they're focused on their business and their family and living their life. So what we do is we step in, we evaluate their current team, keep as many as possible. Ideally, we'd love to keep all of them replace anyone who's not an A player. Then we get everyone to collaborate. We run that team for the entrepreneur. So the entrepreneur is not stuck in the middle trying to manage those relationships and can actually run their business and scale much faster. What's an A player and a non-A player? How do you see them? It's a great question. And really there's a few things. So, you know, one is actual work product. What are they able to actually do? So if you're talking about an attorney or an accountant, you know, are they proactively reaching out with new ideas? Are they executing on those new ideas when they make sense? So that would be one thing is the work they actually do. Another is their personality. So are they easy to work with? Are they proactively taking advantage of things? Are they helping the entrepreneur get things done? Or do they just leave things in a black hole and the entrepreneur has to follow up? Another thing is obviously regulatory history. Make sure they don't have complaints or problems in their background. And it's also important to look at specialization. 
So if I was a doctor and you came to me because you broke your arm and you said, hey, can you help me? And I said, absolutely. We fix broken arms. We deliver babies and we do brain surgery. You'd say, well, <laughs> yeah, there's no way you can be good at all of those things. So we like professionals who are specialists in the particular area that entrepreneur needs or with the particular type of business that entrepreneur has. And then finally, credentials and education so that you want them well credentialed and you want education and you want experience. You don't want someone brand new at this. We typically like professionals at least with 10 years of experience in the business. So that would be kind of a rough rundown of how you would tick all the boxes to make sure you have an A player. Wow. And your first CEO tip is, hey, people get clear on who are you here to serve? How can people specify who are they here to serve? A mistake we see, because we work with entrepreneurs in all types of businesses, a mistake that we see is people assume they know what their ideal client, how they think, what they want. And part of the problem with that is they have too wide a net that they're casting. So you know what they say, there's riches in the niches. The more detailed you can get about who you serve, the more you can create products and solutions for that particular entrepreneur, I'm sorry, for that particular client or customer. So I'll give you an example. Someone I'll say, you know, who is your client? And someone will say, women. You know how many women there are in the world? And do you know how many women have different opinions and thoughts and feelings and concerns and problems? So that's a very wide net. So if you're going to go for a market like that, you have to be a Walmart where you're competing on price, because if you're actually competing on the value, it's much harder when you don't know who you serve. So I think the first thing is drill down and get very specific on who you serve, what age group, what gender, where they live, how they dress, who they hang out with, what they like, what they don't like, not just about your product or service, but really get deep, deep about who they are and how they see the world. And that's something that gets missed a lot. People I think are too general in who they serve. I love this. And I once heard from Google, that is a joint venture partner of us, that people go for targeting and they think if you have the demographics and if you have their hobbies, then you know a lot. And, and they showed me a beautiful example. Uh, high, you're, if you are targeting a male individual, high net worth, uh, 56, who loves dogs, you get both Ozzy Osbourne and Prince Charles. <laughs> 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 exactly. So we have to go deeper. I love this. And the second thing is we have to also to be very specific which problem we solve, not just features, but problems. Can you unpack that? That's correct. When someone hires you or buys your product, in general, it's to solve a problem. And remember, people buy because they're in pain or they want to avoid pain much more than they want to get pleasure or they want to improve. So you can sell products and services that help people grow and improve and get better. But remember, they're usually doing that to avoid pain or because they're in pain of some kind. So you want to be very, very specific. What problem are you solving? And if you're not sure, you need to block off some time and figure it out. Because the more you can define that problem in their words, not your own, that's the other key, is once you know exactly who you serve, then you can actually put their concerns in their own language because you want to speak to your potential client or customer in their own words in their head. So if you say what they're already thinking, they're going to immediately say this company or this person or this group gets me. How do they even know what I'm thinking? I haven't even told them. So how do you do that? You get very clear on the problem you're solving and then you go to your ideal client, a few of them, and you ask them, is this a problem of yours? 
they says, yes, it is. How big a problem? What would you be willing to do to solve it? And oh, by the way, how do you describe that? Tell me how you're feeling. Tell me how you think about that problem. Because when you write copy or you create advertising or marketing, you have to put it in the language that they use, not the language that you use, because often customers and clients speak different than you might about your product or service. Powerful. Do you have some examples of people that came to you and it wasn't so clear and then you clarified it with them? I think so. We have some some clients that are very good in the supplement market. And often what they would do is get so much into the benefits of the supplement that they forget what's the real problem and how do they express the problem? So they may express the problem in a way that's different than you and your your lab that created the supplement and the way the doctors or whomever might say that this works. So we saw that quite a bit with a few supplement companies is creating the message in their own words. So people may take a product because of the benefits, but they're not going to express it in the way that you would within the, the supplement that you're trying to sell. I love it. Today, I was pitched by two guys, uh, young entrepreneurs that have a very good idea and they have a first round and they wanted me to be in their second round. But one thing led me to, to stop the pitch in the middle. They, they just thought about the product, but not so much about the other side. And so, yes, they have a great product and they are so excited about it, but they were too rigid, just 100%. I have this product. It's the best for you. I don't invest in things like this. I invest in a more of in a team that is humble enough to empathize with the other side because you will have to pivot often. You can have a great product, but things are changing on the other side and you have to go with that and change with that. If I see them so rigid, I don't think they will they will they will um, manage to, to get ahead of many curves. You can get straight ahead, but you will have curves. What do, what do you do with the curves? That's a great way to, to say that, Simon. And that experience is very typical. And I tell people all the time, nobody cares about you. Nobody cares about your product. Nobody cares about your service. And being real with that will help you actually craft the message much better because then it will put you into their head. What do they care about? They care about their problems, their pain, their frustrations, their fears. They don't care about your product or your service or you. So don't make it about your product or your service or you. Make it about your customer or client. I love this. And I'm so curious who you pick for the strategy award after one word from our sponsors. Hey, if you like the tools, go grab them for free at strategysprints.com tools. When everybody's zigging, this person is zagging. But from your perspective, they are doing the right thing. You can pick only one person. Who do you pick? I pick Roland Frazier. Don't know if you know Roland or not. Roland is an amazing entrepreneur, very smart guy. And during COVID last year, he completely changed his business and did a lot of challenges called epic challenges. Ethical, profit, ethical profits in crisis is what he called it. And he did tremendously well last year and is just brilliant. So the way he pivoted and changed, I would give that award to Roland Frazier. Beautiful. And what are three books that inspired you recently? One that's been around forever, but still holds today, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People 
I love that one. I encourage everyone to read that, whether they're an entrepreneur or not. I would say The Road Less Stupid, Keith Cunningham's book. He's a friend of mine. It's a great book. And then the third, something that maybe your listeners haven't heard of is Fooled by Randomness, hmm. Nassim Tlaib. I love the book because it really helps us understand ourselves and how as human beings, we're fooled by randomness. And it help, it makes us mentally put ourselves in a position where we make a lot of bad investment decisions, business decisions, personal decisions, because we're fooled by randomness. Is this one of the books by Nassim Nicholas Taleb that is easier to read? Because I have read the, the whole, um, and I love it, but it was tough. I have read Skin in the Game, and it's beautiful. It's really good. But it was a tough journey. How, how is this one? This one's tough. Fooled by randomness is tough. So I, have, I majored in math in college. So there's a lot of math in there because Nassim is very smart when it comes to mathematics. So there's a lot of that in there. So a book that more people have read that would be much easier to read would be The Black Swan, which was a famous business book he wrote. So if you feel like Fooled by Randomness is a little too much to bite off, then The Black Swan would be a great book for you to read. I love it. And he's definitely an amazing thinker and so relevant for entrepreneurs. What are you excited about looking forward? Where is uh, Dew Wealth uh, Consulting in uh, three years? Well, we're continuing to grow and add clients. And so our biggest focus is just helping entrepreneurs grow their business and exit. We've helped with advised on exits as small as 2 million to the largest exit we advised on was a $1.6 billion all cash deal to Blackstone that happened a few months ago this year. So we love seeing that, that journey of an entrepreneur from a successful company to a much bigger successful company and then a life changing exit. So that's always exciting to us. We started a second company, an educational company to help clients who may not qualify to work with us yet. And for that, we created our online course and that's at eWealthPlaybook.com. So we're not quite sure what to do with the online course to be transparent. We created it. And then of course, we're not sure yet how we're going to get it out there to the world. But those are a couple of things that we're excited about. Beautiful. And if you say wealth, we have to talk investments. Uh, we, in our sales mastermind today, we were talking the full hour about stocks, and we were on fire about Bitcoin. Yes, Bitcoin, no Bitcoin. I have 2%, I have 11%, I have 31%. What's, what's your current uh, portfolio construction theory? Let me tell you what we do with all of our clients because this is a challenge for all entrepreneurs. So the first thing is you get rich by being concentrated in a business, <clears throat> excuse me, but you stay rich by being diversified outside the business. So often entrepreneurs get distracted and they're chasing things that they think they're going to get rich on. There will be people that get rich in cryptocurrency and there'll be people that lose everything in cryptocurrency. And I do believe it has a place in a portfolio. That being said, 95% of Americans who have more than $20 million of net worth got there by owning a business. So don't forget, you get rich by being concentrated in a business. You stay rich by being diversified outside the business. The next thing I'd say about investing is often I see entrepreneurs investing based on possibilities, not probabilities. So they'll say things like, oh, I think the stock market's going to crash. I'll give you a specific example. So I had several clients come to us right before the November election. And they said, if Biden gets elected, the stock market's going to crash. So I want to just cash everything out. I said, 
I don't know how you know that. Like, that's a possibility. But I've been watching markets for 26 years, and I don't know what the heck's going to happen. And I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen in the next 12 months, 24 months. It's impossible to predict. So they, they wanted to do that. Well, what happened? After Biden got elected, November was one of the best Novembers in history. Now, I don't think it has anything to do with whether Biden's a good or bad president. It's just that the market moves in ways that we can't predict in the short term. So I always tell entrepreneurs, invest on probabilities, not possibilities. So for example, it's possible that real estate's gone up too much, it's gonna crash. It's possible the stock market's gonna crash. But here's what I know is probable. 10 years from now, stocks are gonna be higher. 10 years from now, real estate's gonna be higher. So I'm gonna invest on probabilities, not possibilities. Now, once we agree that that's the right way to go forward, where do you put your money? So what we do is we tell every entrepreneur, you need to invest based on discipline. Warren Buffett invests on discipline. His mentor, Benjamin Graham, invested on discipline. Every great investor has discipline. So how do you create a discipline? So <clears throat> we say, here's where you are currently with your allocation. Maybe it's, sometimes we see these portfolios, 80% Bitcoin, 20% cash. Not really a diversified portfolio. Even within crypto, that's not a diversified portfolio. <laughs> so then we show them, here's how the average billionaire is allocated. So UBS does a study every couple of years. And it's, here's the way the average billionaire is allocated today. It's 16% bonds, 32% stocks, 18% real estate, 19% venture capital and private equity, 7% cash, 5% hedge funds, and 3% currencies and commodities. That doesn't mean that's how you should invest, but billionaires are pretty smart with their money. So what we do is say, here's where you are. Here's where the average billionaire is. Let's create your billionaire allocation. So if that's 30% crypto or 10% crypto or 40% real estate, whatever it is, we want a well-diversified portfolio. And then even within those slivers, you don't just wanna have, let's say residential real estate, single family homes. You also wanna have some commercial, some multifamily, maybe some seller financing, maybe hard money lending, which are different ways to be in the real estate market. Then you get your good diversification. Now it makes investing much easier. So when someone says, hey, you should buy Ethereum or Polkadot or whatever the different coins are, you can say, well, I already am over allocated for crypto, so not right now. Or I'm under allocated to crypto, so I want to look for more crypto. Then within those, you have to have a plan. So here's what I see with crypto, because we talk a lot with clients about crypto because it's a question that's coming up all the time. We say the, one of the most important things about crypto is having a strategy. So I'll say to people, they'll say, oh, yeah, I bought Bitcoin at 58,000. Now it's at 32,000. You know, and I said, so what do you do next? They go, well, what do you mean? Are you going to buy more? Are you going to sell? Are you going to keep it? So here's a simple way you might have a plan. Your plan might be, okay, here's one plan. I'm going to put $100,000 into crypto and I'm just going to hold it. That's a plan. No matter what happens, you're going to hold it. Another plan might be, okay, I want to have $200,000 in crypto, but I don't want to do it all at once because there's a point of entry risk. So I'm going to put in $50,000 today. And then I'm going to put in $5,000 a month, automatically dollar cost averaging, unless Bitcoin drops by 20%. If it drops by 20%, I'm going to put in another 50,000. I'm not going to worry if it goes up. I'm just going to worry if it goes down. So you see, I'm starting to create a strategy so that I can stick to a discipline because otherwise all you're doing is you're investing based on the next person you talk to or who motivated you or how emotional you are, or when you saw someone who seems really rich and they said, you don't have Bitcoin, you better go buy some Bitcoin. So you need a strategy, you need a discipline to invest well. And most entrepreneurs are chasing shiny objects 
and they're throwing money at whoever has access to them or however they feel emotionally at the time. And that's a recipe for failure. So you have to have a discipline. It can be simple, but you have to have a discipline and that's where you're going to be successful. I love this. And this is exactly what we discussed today in the mastermind. And the beautiful thing is that 10 years ago, you would have needed a big team to do this for you outside. And now it's so accessible and the knowledge is accessible. People listening to this, if they write down the portfolio allocation that you have just said, this knowledge alone and then just doing this and rebalancing so that it stays that if they just do this for 10 years, even if it's a small amount, it will compound and it is kind of the risk and there is enough upside there. So this knowledge is available for everybody. This is the beauty of our age, I think. And the other thing you have to be careful of is yourself. So Richard Feynman was one of the most famous physicists who ever lived. And he said, principle number one is don't fool yourself. <clears throat> and you're the easiest person to fool. So if the greatest, one of the greatest physicists said that he isn't one of the easiest people to fool, you are too. So don't get fooled. <clears throat> don't get fooled by your emotions. There's some great writings by Daniel Kahneman about that. There's things like overconfidence bias, availability bias. You know, if you think crypto or Bitcoin is a great investment, you're going to search YouTube for all the videos that tell you why it's a great investment. It's called confirmation bias. You want to look for videos about why it's not a good investment so that you have a balanced opinion. So you're going to make a good decision. So remember, you're going to fool yourself. We all fool ourselves. But making sure you protect against that psychologically by knowing that's going to happen. You know, once you're super confident, you think you know all the answers, you know, you're probably fooling yourself because nobody has all the answers. But that's why a discipline will help you stick to something that's going to get you success over the long term. Beautiful. Where do you hang out? Where can people get more of you? You can find me on LinkedIn. I do have Instagram. I just started not that long ago and Facebook. So those are three ways you can find me. And then obviously our website, which is simply dowealth.com. And if you want to take, we created a quiz in the nine areas that the billionaires manage their wealth that we kind of mimicked. If you want to take that quiz, you can go to makerichreal.com and take that nine question quiz. And after each of the three sections, protect, manage, and grow, I put some verbiage in there about here's where you're at. Here's probably what you want to think about for next steps. Beautiful. And um, is there anything I forgot to ask you? Well, one thing I'd mentioned when we talk about books, I wrote a book that's pretty good and it really is about wealth planning and wealth management, how to build your company from a wealth planning perspective. And it's called Beyond a Million. So I wrote that about three or four years ago. I'm pretty proud of it. So that's a good way to get some information. Other than that, I think you asked you ask great questions, Simon. Where can people get your book, Beyond a Million? Amazon. Beautiful. I'll tell you a funny story. So my mom passed away a couple of years ago and I had finished my book and she was in the hospital and I called to check in on her and she was super excited. And she said, your book's on Amazon. I said, mom, everybody has a book on Amazon. It's not that hard to get your book on Amazon. She was so excited. And I said, how do you know? Because my mom wasn't, she was 92. She wasn't a technology person. And she said, the nurse came in and I said, my son has a book. And she said, oh, really? What's the name of the book? And she said, Beyond a Million. She said she took out, the nurse took out her phone and said, oh, he's on Amazon. And it really made my mom's day. So that was an exciting part of 
of putting the book out there is I'm on Amazon. It is, but it, it is exciting. We, we forget we are used now to being on Amazon, being on YouTube. Hey, it is exciting to be on Amazon. <laughs> Don't well, certainly exciting to my mom. She thought that you know, I was a celebrity <laughs> because I was on Amazon with my book. Beautiful. Who should be my next guest? If you could get Roland Frazier, that would be amazing. I also think Pete Vargas would be a tremendous guest. He's another guy who pivoted during COVID and has done tremendously well. I think both those guys would be phenomenal guests. Super cool. Thank you for being here, sharing your knowledge, your wisdom with us. Please come back soon. Thanks, Simon. It's been fun. Avoid trying to do thousands of things that doesn't work. We have 274 <clears throat> templates for your business success. Reach your ambitious goals with one-on-one -on -one sprint coach. We double your revenue in 90 days.